Uh, my name is Daniel. I'm the community pastor here, and uh, it's my honor to get a chance to uh, bring uh, something out of Umbop to you this morning. Um, and so we're going to do that. We're going to be in Galatians today. If you uh, have a Bible, turn to Galatians chapter 6. If you don't have a Bible, uh, download the YouVersion app on your smartphone and uh, go to the events tab there. We have an event set up for today's message. You can follow along with the scripture, take message notes, keep track of what's going on here at the church. But we are going to be in Galatians chapter 6 today. And so Playlist is a series that we do. We do it every year at the church, and we take songs that we know, songs that you may have heard on the radio, and we look and pull spiritual truths out of them. And this year, we've been focusing on one-hit wonders. And so it's been a lot of fun hearing some of these songs again. And so uh, we're really excited about today. So today, we're going to be talking a lot about relationships. And so in Galatians chapter 6, we're going to read from verse 7 through verse 10. I'm reading out of the New Living Translation, by the way. It says, don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially to those in the family of faith. Let's pray. Father, we ask today, Lord, for you to come right now and, and that you would speak to us today. Lord, we open up our minds, we open up our hearts. God, would you have your way in this place? Would you challenge us, Lord? Would you, would you push us? For some of us, God, would you bring us into correction? Lord, we, we just say whatever you need to speak to us today, Holy Spirit, you have the authority you have. We, we say do it. Do it in our hearts and our lives. So God, we want to leave different than when we came in and we love you. We can't wait to hear what you're going to say to us today. And if you're ready to hear from God, can I get a big amen? Amen. 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 You guys can be seated. So um, obviously today we are going to be talking about Hanson and Umbop. And, um, you know, we've included this in our One Hit Wonder playlist series. But I have to say, at full disclosure, my wife is a huge Hanson fan. Okay? And um, was and is a huge Hanson fan. So when I told her, you know, she gets a sneak peek into what songs we do, obviously. And, you know, I was telling her, hey, honey, we're doing this one-hit wonder deal, and it's going to be a lot of fun. You know, we're doing Twisted Sister. And she's like, okay. And then I said, we're doing Hanson. She's like, wait, Hanson is not a one-hit wonder. <laughs> and if you're married or if you've ever been in a relationship, you know there are those moments where you just know what, whatever words I say next, I need to choose very carefully. And so I, I, I sat there and I'm like, honey, I know you and I know that Hanson is not a one-hit wonder, but for most people, they only know them from Umbop. And, and so I, I have to say, um, if you have not heard Hanson, you know, post-puberty for them, like post when their voices dropped... Their new music is actually really good. And so go check them out on Spotify after this. In fact, a few years ago, Quick Trip was having its big anniversary celebration downtown. Some of you guys may remember this, and they had this huge festival. And the headline of the concerts they were doing, they were Tulsa, Tulsa Acts, and so they had Leon Russell. And then they also had Hanson. And so my wife's like, we're going to the concert. I'm like, yeah, honey, we're, we're going to go to the Hanson concert. And so we went, and it was, it was so neat because it was like, I got to like go into a time machine and watch my wife go back to being a, a little teenage girl. And so she's there, and man, she's umbopping, and she's, you know, 
dancing and, and jumping around and spinning. But I would tell you the music was really good. And so next thing I know, I'm umbopping and hand, you know, jumping around and spinning all that stuff. So all that to say, Hanson is not just, if, you, if your only recollection of them, like me, was you know, back when they were like 10 and they had long hair and you know, are they boys, are they girls? I'm not really sure what's up with this band. Go check them out again. They're really good. I love you, honey. Hopefully that gets me back into the house uh, later today. <laughs> so the, the funny thing is about Umbop is it's actually a surprisingly insightful song. Now, some of you, you may, you may have just heard it now, maybe even if you heard it for the first time, it's like all I heard was umbop, doo-wop, like what is that song even about? It's about nothing. But, but actually, it was funny, as we were planning out the playlist messages, uh, Pastor Brad was really jealous because he's like, umbop has the most stuff in it. It's like, I got to preach the hard ones. You, you get the one with the most, and we just never would have guessed that that's the one that had the deepest lyrical content. So way to go, 10-year-old Hanson Brothers. I mean, it was pretty awesome. But, but the song is about the brevity of life, and it's about relationships and about holding on to the things that last because so many things come and go in an umbop. They come and go just, just like that in a, in a moment in time. And, and I love some of these lyrics. I'm going to put up some of these lyrics on the screen so we can read them. But you, you have so many relationships in this life, but only one or two will last. You go through all this pain and strife, then you turn your back and they're gone so fast. So hold on to the ones who really care. In the end, They'll be the only ones there. And I think the truth is we all want friendships and we all want relationships that will last a lifetime. We all want friendships and we all want relationships that'll be of just this high quality. The the people that, you know, we have these visions of of being on our deathbed and just room full of, of people that have been with us through thick and thin. It's like we all want those kinds of relationships, friends that'll be there for us, friends that won't turn their back on us, friends that have our best interest at heart. We all want those kinds of relationships. But honestly, those kinds of relationships are getting harder and harder to find. That level of connection is getting harder and harder to come by. That level of just relational intimacy is getting so much harder for us to discover. And why is that? Well, I think there's some reasons for that. I, only, I can't get into all of them, but I think one of the reasons that relationships and connection is getting harder to find is just the fact of the, the time and the day and age that we live in, that we are on the, the forefront of a completely new frontier of relationships and connections, and it all has to do with this, that, that everything that we know right now about relationships and how we connect and what that means and what that looks like is dramatically and drastically being rewritten with every new app, with every new platform, with every new social media thing, It's dramatically being rewritten by this. And so because of that, the rules of friendship, the rules of relationship, the rules of connection are being changed right in front of our eyes, and we have to learn how to navigate through that. Now, I want to say, first off, that I'm not saying that that's a bad thing. And I think a lot of times when we hear uh, pastors and we hear people talking about this, it's, it's always kind of like a negative thing anymore. You know, it's just, and what I don't want us to ever become is, this is here to stay whether we like it or not, for one thing, okay? Parents, this this is not going anywhere anytime soon, okay? This this is here to stay. It's, I think it's much more healthy for us to learn how to navigate this than for us just to dismiss it, okay? And so because of that, it's really easy for us to take just the stance of the old man on the front porch. You know what I'm talking about? It's like, all the phones are evil. Back in my day, we didn't connect that way. Back in my day, we had ice cream socials. 
You know, back in my day, we would get together down at the five and dime, and we'd go ride our bikes, you know, and I love the feeling of a crisp newspaper in the morning, and man, I miss Blockbuster Video. What ha- you know, it's like, it'd be real easy for us just to take the stance of the old man on the front porch and just rail against modern technology. But I want to tell you, it's awesome. It's awesome. It, it, it's giving us avenues to have information and to know things about each other that we have never had up to this point in modern history, that, that I can get on and, and just, you know, depending on what platform you're at, whether you're on Facebook or Twitter or Insta or Snap or whatever it is, you can get on and, and you can see what someone's kids are doing, you can see how things are going at school, you can see what's going on at work, you can see what happened on their vacation, you can see what's going on in their, their sports teams, you can follow with their politics, you can know what happened to them, you know, at dinner last night, you can follow along with someone's meals, you can keep touch with their memes. I mean, just everything all in one place. And I don't think that's a bad thing. I, I think it's an incredible tool for us to have. But, but isn't it interesting that with all the information that we have nowadays about one another, that with all the information that's available, all the information about you and all the information about me, the things that we can know about one another, the ways that we can keep touch with events and with things that are going on in our life, we have so much information, but why is it that we still don't feel connected? Why is it that even with all the information, we still don't feel like our relationships have depth? We still don't feel like there's, we still feel like there's a connection that's missing from our lives. And could it be that even with all the information, it hasn't led us to deeper connection? And I think that's just, I think that's just so crazy. And what I love about this song is this song looks at the idea of relationships. And I like the way that it does it because it kind of talks about relationships are, are like seeds. That you plant a seed, you plant a flower, you plant a rose, that find out which one grows it. So it's like this idea that there's these seeds of relationship that we plant. And today I want to talk to you about when we plant these seeds of relationship, what are these seeds? These seeds are, you know, the seeds of our time, the seeds of our energy, the seeds of our availability, that we plant seeds of relationship into the fields of each other, that we plant these seeds. But, but what I want to talk to you today is I think it's really important how we plant these seeds, and I think it's really important that we're planting these seeds into the right fields. Because I think if we're planting the seeds in the wrong way, and if we're planting them into the wrong fields, what's happening is it's leading us to a place where we're starved for connection, where we're starved for relationship, where we're starved for that emotional intimacy. And I think a lot of what's happened in our culture today, it's not that, it's not that digital connection is bad, but it's that we have to learn that digital connection was never meant to be a replacement for one-on-one connection. It was never meant to be a replacement for learning how to connect with someone face-to-face, for learning how to cultivate the seeds of relationship that lead to deep connection. So some of what I'm going to talk about today may seem a little rudimentary. Some of what I'm going to talk about today may seem like really basic, but I think in this, in this time that we live in, as we're on the forefront of a new era of connection, a new era, new rules, and all those things, it's really important for us to stop and remember the basics of how we plant these seeds, of how we connect with one another. Because as we do that, these are the things that are going to lead us toward the deeper connection that we want in our lives. These are going to be the things that lead us toward the relationships that we so desperately desire. And so because of that, we're going to get into the Word of God today. We're going to see what Paul had to say about relationships, about planting seeds, about how we plant those seeds. And I think as we do that, we'll see how God wants to do the work in us so that we can have relationships that make it for 
the long haul. So you guys ready to get into this with me today? Awesome. Three of you are. That is great. You guys ready to get into this with me today? Good. All right, here we go. That's better. Even if you're not, thank you for faking it so I feel better. That's great. So let's pick it up in verse 7. Paul uses this letter to the Galatians, and he uses uh, this illustration of seeds as well. And one of the things he says right off the top as he starts this is in verse 7 that you will always harvest what you plant, that you will always harvest what you plant. And, and this is true not just in relationships. This is a life principle, that you harvest what you plant. Financially, you're going to harvest what you plant. Spiritually, in your walk with God, you're going to harvest what you plant. But it's also certainly true relationally that you're going to harvest what you plant. So today we're going to look at how we plant these seeds, how we plant these seeds of our relationship, the seeds of our time, the seeds of our availability, all these things, because I firmly believe that how we plant will determine what we reap, that how we plant will determine what we reap, how we plant will determine what we reap. And so we're going to see what Paul had to say, because Paul laid out three different ways that we can plant and these mentalities, these mindsets will help us to plant in a way where we can, we can have relationships that will be fulfilling. Plant in a way where we can have friendships that will be those kinds of friendships that we all want to have. Plant in a way that will help us even navigate through the digital minefield, navigate through the digital age and how we plant. And so the first one we find here in verse 8, Paul says this, Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death. From that sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. The first mindset that we have to plant, the first how is this that we have to plant selflessly. We have to plant selflessly. Can you say that with me? That we have to plant selflessly. All right, so when I was in college, I was on the forensics team in college. Now you're thinking, that sounds really cool, the forensics team. So like, this like CSI stuff, like did you get to go to crime scenes? Daniel, have you touched a dead body? That is awesome. No. No, forensics was actually what uh, they called speech and debate in college. So lower your expectations, people. It's just, it's, it's, what, it's what they called speech and debate. And so I was on this team, and I was actually, debate was one of the things that I did. And so the type of debate we did was, was me and a debate partner. And so one uh, time we were at the um, state championship debate tournament. Yes, that's an actual thing. The state championship debate tournament. And so we're in the finals. And so we're in the finals. And, and so how debate worked in college was they give you a topic, and then you're either, you either argue for that topic or you argue against that topic, the affirmative or the negative, the after the neg, if any debate nerds are in here. Anyways, and so, um, so we, we, we were on the negative. So we, we had to argue against this topic. And I don't remember specifically what it was, but it was something along the lines of should the United States raise taxes on its people to, help, to lend aid to some foreign country. I don't remember what the country was. It's not important. So anyways, we're, we're arguing this for and against. And so I get up to give my closing argument as the, as the negative side of the debate. And I said, you know, when I was uh, working at a job before I came back to school, I had a boss at this, at this car rental place that I worked at. And when he was always trying to get us to sell the, you know, the, the rental coverage and the rental insurance and all that kind of stuff. By the way, if you rent a car, they, they get money off of that. And so, you know, he was always trying to get us to sell the rental coverage. And he said, Daniel, one of the things you have to remember is you're selling the coverage. Is people, all, everyone that you know, everyone that comes across the counter, they listen to one radio station. They listen to one radio station if you can 
understand that, then you'll be able to sell the coverage. And he said they listened to WIIFM. What's in it for me? And so I went on in the debate to say that everyone in America tunes into WIIFM, and so because of that, there's nothing in it for us, for us to help this country. Therefore, there's no way we should do it, and we won the debate. And so WIFM is a great thing to have in a debate, but when it comes to our relationships, WIIFM, what's in it for me, will ensure that we reap a harvest of decay and death. That if we approach our relationships with the WIIFM mentality, if we approach our relationships with a what's in it for me mentality, we're not going to reap a harvest of life out of those relationships. In fact, we're going to reap a harvest of death out of those relationships. Our motives, how we approach a relationship is so important. And oftentimes, if we're not careful, selfishness, self-centeredness can creep in to our motives when it comes to relationships. You say, well, Daniel, that's not me. There's no way I would do that. But I think they can be so subtle that sometimes we don't even recognize that we're doing it, that we can, be, we can have a relationship with someone, that we can want a relationship with someone because if I'm friends with this person, if I'm in good relationship with this person, it will elevate my status. I'll look better if I'm hanging out with this person. I'll look better if my family is friends with this family. It'll make my family look better. Maybe it's at work. Maybe there's someone that, that you're trying to be friends with. Maybe it's a boss. Maybe it's a circle of, of workers that, that you have at your office. And you know, if I can get in with this crowd of people, if I can make friends with the boss, it will advance my career. It will advance my career, and I'll be able to get ahead at work because of the relationships, because of the connections that I make. Maybe I'm trying to befriend people, not because I want to be their friend, but because I have a business or I have a a product that I want to sell. And and so because of that, I need to expand my customer base. So my relationship is not about making relationships, but it's about trying to expand my customer base. I mean, how annoying is it when you get that text or that friend request from someone that you haven't seen in years, and you think, oh my gosh, so-and-so is reaching out to me only to find out they have an exciting new opportunity with Advocare that they want to share with you. <laughs> it's like, ah, oh, are you serious? That we, can, that we can have friends that we have that, that we keep in our life, that we have friends because they make us feel better. Not because they're uplifting and encouraging, but because their life is a mess, and I feel better by comparison to them. So I keep them in my life because they're an immediate self-esteem boost. To me, we can have friends in our life that we have that are placeholder friends. Because I need friends, I have these friends, but if I found better friends, I would ditch these friends in an instant. Some of you students, maybe you're looking at needing resumes for college, needing resumes for jobs. It's like, well, who can I buddy up with? Because their resume, their, or their reference would be amazing on my resume. Their reference would be exactly what I need to get into that school I want or to get that job I want. Are we approaching our relationships with the W-I-I-F-M mentality? Are we approaching it with self-centered motives? We have to be so careful about this because the truth is that relationships that are self-centered will self-implode. Relationships that are self-centered will self-implode. And the problem is we're naturally bent toward self-centeredness. We're naturally bent, no matter how much I try to muster up selflessness, no matter how much I try to muster up being a good person, I'm naturally bent towards selfishness. I'm naturally bent that way. way. And, And church, can I tell you something? This is a light bulb moment. This is why we follow Jesus. This is why we follow Jesus, because it's his power, it's his spirit within us 
that helps kill the selfishness and helps us live selfless lives. See, when we plant selflessly, we reap the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. When we plant selflessly, we reap that in our relationships. And if you're not experiencing that in your relationships, can I encourage you, maybe you need to check your motives. Maybe you need to check what's going on in your heart. Are you approaching it because you're trying to get something out of it? Are there strings attached to your friendships? Are there caveats? Are you looking, how can this person benefit me? Or are you looking at it from a selfless mentality, from a what can I give? How can I bless someone today? What good can I do for someone just because I want to do good for them? The more we can kill self in us, the better our relationships will be. And we see the next thing that Paul talks about in our mentality of planting. We find this in verse 9. He says, so let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. The second thing we need to understand about planting is this, is that we have to plant tirelessly. We have to plant tirelessly. So over the summer, uh, my family got a gym membership, and mainly because we needed something to do with the kids and the heat, and this gym had an amazing pool. And so we got this gym membership. And I want to tell you, uh, I'm not a gym person, okay? And, and I, I, th- I had this thought, though, that maybe over the summer, it's like we're going to go to the gym, and I'm going to work out, and it's like, maybe I could really get in shape. It's like, honey, I could be swole by the end of the summer. Wouldn't that be amazing? <laughs> and, by the end of summer, I'm going to look like KP back there, man. It's just, I'm going to, you know, I'll be deadlifting 500 pounds before. I, it's like, yeah, all right, I got this. And so summer came. Summer went, our gym membership is over, and I tell you, I, I really miss it. Um, <laughs> truth is, summer came, summer went. I, I, I worked out a few times. Most of the time, I just spent in the pool with the kids, and, and I'll tell you how my gym membership ended. It was with me sitting on the couch watching Ninja Warrior, eating chips, and being really thankful that the fast is over. You know, it's just like, <laughs> that's how my summer gym membership went. Because truth is, if having an amazing body were easy, we would all have one. If having six-pack abs were easy, we would all have them. And the same thing holds true for our relationships, that if having great relationships were easy, we would all have great relationships. If it were easy, all of us would have it. But the fact that they're so scarce, the fact that they're so precious, shows that they're a lot of work. That having great relationships is a lot of work and that we, we try and, and we fail. And some of you, you've been in this boat and you're like, Daniel, I'm tired of trying. I've tried the group thing and it didn't work. I've tried to, to plug in. I tried to ask that person out for coffee to get to know them better. We tried to go on that double date with that couple and it just didn't click. And, and so just forget it. It's too much work. But this is why Paul says that we have to plant tirelessly because I would not expect to go to the gym, pick up the weight once and say, where's my six pack? I don't understand. Why is this not working? That it takes time and it takes repetition. And for some of you here in this place, you need to understand that it takes time and it takes repetition for you to develop these relationships. Maybe you've been in a group before and it didn't work out. Don't give up. Get in the group again. I want to tell, can I just, can I just real talk here for just a second? Some of you complain about not having connections in this church, and yet your name is not on the core group sign-up sheet. And we can't complain. Did I, did I get too strong there? Did, did, that we can't complain. No one knows who I am. I don't have any connections. This church isn't friendly. If we're not willing to put in the work, 
Just like if I'm not willing to go and lift the weights time and time again, I can't complain about not having a six-pack. We, we, we have to put in the work. But I think also this is why it's so easy for us just to say, well, I'm just going to plant in the digital field, that I'm just, I'm just going to do all my connecting on this, that I'm going to plant on that. Because honestly, this is easier. This is less work. It's convenient for me. I can pull this out, and I can do this on my schedule. I can do what's convenient for me. I can block the people I want to block. Amen. You know, I, don't, I can scroll past the people I don't like. I can hate like vacations. You know, this, this, this is dependent on me. But I, would tell you, I, I don't know that this is the best place for us to be spending all of our time planning because even though it's easier, it doesn't always lead to the depth that we want. We have to be careful how we're planting seeds online. You know, I recently had a birthday last month, which means, by the way, you're still within the gift window if you want anyways. But so, you know, what happens on social media when you have a birthday? Bing, 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 happy birthday, happy birthday, bing, you know, all these things. And by the end of the day, I had all these notifications. And honestly, it was so weird. I experienced what, what is an actual phenomenon known as social media anxiety because I had all of these birthday wishes. And so I actually, I actually Googled what to do, like what's the appropriate way to respond, because I didn't want to offend anybody. And so, because, you know, it's like the whole, do I do the one big post to say thank you? Do I comment on every post? Do I like every post? Do I just ignore it all together? You know, that whole thing. And so, I, I, some of you are like, well, what's the answer, Daniel? I, what, what did you do? No, it's not, not important. But, what, but I experienced this anxiety over what the way to respond. I would say it was draining. It was draining for me mentally. It was draining to have to think about what to do. And it was like all of a sudden my focus was not on my kids. My focus was not on my wife. My focus was I got I to gotta make this happy. I have to appease this. And I want to tell you this is not a bad thing. But, I, but if we're spending all of our time, if we're spending all of our effort planting there and we're too tired to plant physically, then something's gone wrong. And I, I love this quote as we're talking about this. Pastor Eric told me a quote of someone he was listening to. He said that we can get so focused on our friendships that we neglect our friends, that we can get so focused on friendships, that we can get so focused on the act of, of trying to maintain those, but we, but we forget the people that are right in front of us, that we forget to plant in the field that's right in front of us, that God has placed people right in front of you that he wants you to plant the seeds of relationship into. But we can get so distracted, we can get so scattered that we're planting in all these other places. But maybe... Maybe we just need to plant in the field that we've been planted in. Maybe we just need to plant in the field that we've been planted in. God's placed people right in front of you that you need to plant in. And I'm not saying don't plant here, but I'm saying this, this should not be the majority of the field that we plant in. That we need to be planting in the field that God's put right in front of us, the people that God has put right in front of us. And this is so important, too, because another way we get tired in planning is just relationships are so unpredictable, and they come and they go. And you know, I recently had a really, really, really good friend of mine that, that planted into that field for a long time, just you know, growing and developing our relationship, and he moved away. He's living in a different state now. And I want to tell you, there's a part of me that's like, oh, I don't have to go through that again. And you guys know if you've had a close friendship that that season has changed, it, it, the thought of having to develop another friend, develop another relationship, it's like, my gosh, I don't know if I want to go through that again, but we have to plant tirelessly because we can't give up on that. I want to tell you, it's kind of a sidebar, but I think it's just really important to say that I think oftentimes we can feel guilt in our life over the relationships whose season has changed. Like if you've had a close friend and 
and they've moved away or something's happened and you've had a relationship where its season has changed, you feel guilty over, oh, I should have done a better job of keeping in touch with that person. I should have done a better job of, of staying in touch. And, oh, I feel guilty that we've grown apart. But mo- many, if not most, of our relationships come into our life for a season. That's why Paul said at just the right time, at just the right time you'll reap the harvest because God brings relationships into your life at just the right time. And, some, and the majority of those relationships are seasonal. And that God's going to bring someone into your life. You're going to develop friendships in your life that are going to be for the right season. And I want to encourage you, if you've been feeling guilt over some of those relationships whose season has changed, over some of those relationships whose season is different, instead of feeling guilt, what if you looked at it with gratitude? Instead of, instead of beating yourself up over the season changing in that relationship, what if you started just to have gratitude for that person and for that relationship and for that season in your life? Maybe it would free you then to plant in the field that you've been planted in now and re-energize you to plant again because he says we have to plant tirelessly. And the last thing that Paul says is therefore, this verse 10, therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone. The last thing we have to understand is that we will plant it selflessly, we planted tirelessly, and finally, we need to plant generously. We need to plant generously. In the song, it says, can you tell me? You say you can, but you don't know. Can you tell me which flower is going to grow? And the truth is, when we're planting in these different fields, we don't know what seed's going to grow. We don't know what's going to come out of the seeds that we plant. That is, we plant, it, you know, some of you, you have friends, you look at it and say, I have no idea how this person is my friend. This person, you know, you, and if you're standing next to him, don't nudge him right now. Maybe you should nudge him. I don't know. He's like, what, what are we doing? We don't work, but, but you don't know what's going to come out of those relationships that you plant, out of those seeds that you plant. That's why we have to plant generously because we don't, and we have to give of ourselves generously, give generously of ourselves because we don't know what's going to come out of those seeds that we plant in generosity. I want to invite the band to come back up. As they do, I want to close by telling a story that I hope will just kind of encapsulate and hopefully just kind of summarize everything that I'm talking about with planning. So when I was a teenager, I went to this youth group at a church in Midtown Tulsa, a small, smaller church, and um, I was involved, I was leading worship there at this church and, um, you know, playing keyboard and leading and singing. And then eventually I started leading worship at the, uh, in the main adult service and, you know, I was playing keys and singing and and I was one of the worship leaders just involved in the worship team. And during this time, as I'm doing this, I'm probably 19 or so, as this is happening, there was someone that, that started coming to the church. And um, just when, you, when he walked in, you could tell he just had a rough, he was struggling. Just struggling with a lot of things in his life, skinny, big goatee, and just, just really, really struggling. And, um, but he came and just started, kept coming. God was doing a work in his life, and God was, was just working on him and just breaking down his walls, just, bitterness and just anger, angry at God, just angry at just so many things that happened in his life, but God was just slowly breaking down the walls of resistance in his life, and, and um, he was a musician, and so he started getting connected on the worship team, and man, he's just an incredible musician, incredible sense of humor, and so we just, all the, the church just instantly loved him, and um, one of the things that happened, so the guitar he played, though, was just, man, it's just old guitar, and it's just, if you guys know me, I just, I can't stand for that, I just, I won't have it, and, and so me and another worship leader went in, and um, remember, I'm a broke college student. She was a broke college student. We pulled everything we had. We went in, we bought a brand new guitar. 
um, for this guy. And so we, we sowed generously into his life. And time went on, and man, God just continued to do work. And, and honestly, that season of our, our relationship and friendship had kind of ended. And I, I left that church and went on to different things. And then um, just thought that season was over. So, but God, you called me. You called me to plant selflessly. You called me to plant generously. I, and I didn't know what I, I didn't have this message written when I was 19. So I don't know what I, that's what I was doing, but that's what I did. Just, I just, just trying to live how God told me to live. And then it wasn't until a few years later that God would bring that story full circle. And a few years ago, this guy reaches out and um, we reconnect. And now it's someone that plants into my life plants into my family's life, but also plants into all of our lives here today, because that someone is this guy right back here, Tim Lovins. And so I've, I've known Tim and Craig, I've known them both since I was like, just, just, a, just a little older than Ellie. And... Um, so it's like 18 or so when, when I got to know these guys. And it's just living proof of, of what I'm talking about, that, that if you plant selflessly, that if you plant tirelessly, that if you plant generously, you don't know what's going to come out of that. You don't know what's going to come out of that. So stop limiting God. Don't limit God on what you do. Give of yourself. It didn't work before, Daniel. Don't give up. Keep going after it. But, but I got burned. My friend left. Don't give up. Keep going after it because this is how Jesus lived. Jesus planted selflessly. Jesus planted tirelessly. Jesus planted generously. And we're all here because of those seeds that he planted with his life. And so if he did it, then we can do it too. If he laid down his life, then we can lay down our lives. And you never know what's going to come out of that. You never know what a seed of generosity, the difference that it can make, the difference that it can have on an impact. Now, this guy is having an impact all over this city in the, in the things that he's involved with, the people that he's helping to lead out of the lifestyle that he was in and how God can, I'm not saying that my thing was the only thing that played a part, but it played a part. It played a part, and you can do that too because God has someone that he's called you to just as much as he's had someone that has been called to you. But you're never going to see it unless you start planning in the right way because how we plant will determine what we reap.